This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX Podcast. I'm Bob Asman, your host, and welcoming you back for uh, another episode. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, I'm starting off 2023 by looking at our own personal and professional development as customer experience professionals. Um, This time of year, there's often... um, consultants and CX gurus to talk about predictions for 2023, where we headed with CX and so forth. Well, I like to take a little different approach and and see what we should be doing as professionals to enhance our own careers, our own professional development, and perhaps our goals for 2023. So with that, I've invited um, a friend of mine and a outstanding professional in the area of coaching and personal development, Sarah Bridges, to join me on the podcast today. So welcome, Sarah, and please introduce yourself to our listeners. I am so happy to be here. I am Sarah Bridges, and I think my best intersection to what we're talking about today ties into the work I do in coaching, working with individuals and leaders in thinking about how they can develop new skills, how they can get a broader um, perspective and self-awareness on what they're good at, where they have challenges, and also work that I do with organizations on succession management and how, from the manager side, they think about career development. That's great, Sarah. And and perhaps before we get into more specifics, what in general would you say you're seeing, hearing that's going on in the world of of employment these days, of labor with the clients and organizations you work with? Are there trends that you see that are developing or areas that organizations are focusing on when it comes to employee development? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting time because we had the last few years where it's really been an employee's market in the sense that many places are short-staffed and organizations worry about people resigning and so on. And at the same time, as we come into the fall and winter, um, organizations are restructuring and, and we've all heard of layoffs too. And I think there's an intersection in all of this that the savvy organizations I work with really understand that right now for people to stay engaged and interested and motivated for their jobs, they need to also feel like they're growing in their careers. And so I do think there is quite a bit of focus on that. Um, What I like to help people do, whether it's a boon boom or bust time, is have employees, though, really think from the standpoint of what's within my circle of control I can do in developing myself and in getting resources I need and the feedback I need. So 
I'd love, among other things, to talk about what we have agency to do as individual employees. That That's great because um, you mentioned this time of year, it's the time of organizations doing budgeting and so forth. And then the unfortunate result sometimes is layoffs. But it's also a time where many of us think about a new year, new goals, uh, what am I going to do with my career? It, it's kind of a, a time of renewal. And so how might uh, we as professionals approach this? What are some techniques or things that you've seen that you coach people on that might be good approaches for us to consider? Yeah, and it really is good to do it at the first of the year. I think resolutions get a bad rap and they'll say, oh, you know, only 30% of people stuck with them. But the funny part is if we said how many people stick with things in July, it's closer to zero. And there's something in psychology called fresh starts where when there is kind of a symbolic start to things, whether changing careers or the first of the year, we really do tend to have added gusto and focus in developing things. And I really think I'd start before the first of the year to say, where can I carve out an hour, 90 minutes, undistracted, phones off, everything else, and really write down for myself a couple of things. You know, what do I see? What do I self-assess that I'm really good at? What, what areas would I like to build? What do I feel most excited about? A lot of people get hung up on, I don't know if I have a passion or not. I'd back you up just to think about what am I interested in? What lights me up in my regular routine at work? And do an inventory of yourself, the assets I have, areas I need to develop, and then thinking about what interests you that's realistic in a year's time that you'd like to accomplish career-wise, whether a promotion, something big, or I'd, I'd really encourage you to think broadly in terms of what, what skills and experience can I accrue? Because those are the kinds of things over time building up that really lead to rich careers and promotions. So, Sarah, uh, I love this idea of an inventory and kind of a personal assessment. Do you recommend that we ask others as well? Is this a you know an individual personal exercise that we're going through, or what are your thoughts on that? I love that you asked that, and I think it's really critical to start with the personal view. One of the things I've learned, both as a psychologist and coaching a long time. All of us, I put myself in this boat too, we'd never have a full view of ourselves. It may be, yes, a blind spot. I think I'm doing something well and I'm really not, or I'm checking people off. Or it could be the other way, that I really underestimate something that's very natural. So I think a simple way to do it is to think of five or six people that know you well, and it's just fine to include people that are personal, maybe someone who's known you since childhood, or someone at a past job, or even a sibling, and send them just a three-question email, really encouraging full candor. What am I really good at? Where do you see my development areas? And what can you envision for me career-wise? Um, it's really a fun exercise for starters. You often hear things you haven't heard before. 
but get that data, overlay it on what you see for yourself. You may have some surprises in any direction and use that combined um, set of information to really come up with a good plan. Now, I'm smiling. You can't see this, but I'm smiling because, of course, as customer experience professionals, we're all about collecting data from our customers and surveying information and trying to make things better. And what you're challenging us to do is to to do it for ourselves, find ways to do better. It is so heartening. I had a coaching client do this, and he wanted to include lots of personal people, too, as he did his self-reflection at the end of the year, and sent an email to his 90-year-old father, who, as an aside, had never been an emotional connector with him. And for the first time in his life, his father said, I love you, and really lay out for him what he saw. Now, that's not straight career, but there's all sorts of unexpected things that come out of just asking. Yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, something you talked about um, and mentioned, sir, were fresh starts. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times I've used the term of, you know, we, we change because we have a burning platform. In other words, we change because we got laid off from our job or we, you know, we, we come into a panic mode because we, we got a new boss at work that we might not agree with, or there's all kinds of uh, kind of triggers that happen. Is the fresh start kind of an all or nothing or what, what, tell us a little bit more about that concept. It's not an all or nothing. It comes out of research from UPenn with a woman named Katie Milkman, who's actually even written a book in which she talks about this too. Um, It's not that it's um, silver bullet solves everything. It's just Mm -hmm. if we are motivated to do goals, doing it on a significant date, whether it's Monday versus Thursday, our birthday, the first of the year, really is a time that somehow psychologically, we just feel like I get a chance maybe even to make some headway on things that have been hard. I have a little more motivation than something I've procrastinated on in the past. And the success rates tend to be higher. That's great. Now, talk to us a little bit about goals and how we develop those. I know there's some techniques out there, you know, developing SMART goals and some other things, the acronym SMART, but what, what do we look at there? Do we, you know, sometimes our personal goals might not be as structured as a, you know, a corporate goal or a professional goal that we have. Is there, are there approaches that you'd suggest there on how we develop our own goals? Well, there's there's two things. One ties to SMART with the measurable, time-bound, all of that. And that is when I see people set goals that maybe don't work as well, what often is the case is they're not concrete enough. They're not specific enough. And so it may be, I want to get better at public speaking. I want to have more influence. I want to get faster at doing this task. But it doesn't break it down enough. So Monday morning, I know whether or not I'm working on it. So that's one thing. I'd want it to really be concrete that it's something I know what I need to do to enact it. And I know if I've done it. The other piece that I never see in goals is what are my assumptions about what success looks like? What has to happen for this to be possible? How likely is that? Is there any pre-work I have to do to get that ready? Um, Having that kind of 
um, honest evaluation for yourself. What am I assuming about this? Assumptions can be tested. And so really getting out how you're thinking about it, how close you are, you think to the goal right now, you can ask other people that also. Um, and getting really specific about leading indicators, things I do that are activities that'll tell me I'm on the right track, and success measures, which tend to be lagging measures. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, how do you keep motivated to do this? So, I, you you mentioned the New Year's resolutions, right? That by July it's zero percent. How does an individual? you know, maybe, maybe the word is hold themselves, the phrases hold themselves accountable, but how's it, how does an individual kind of keep the motivation behind this? Yeah, I think there's lots of good research on this. I mean, starting with, and it might sound so obvious, but having it be meaningful to you, not something you feel like you should do. And maybe there's a should in your job you need to get better at, Finding a way to frame that, that it's still meaningful. For instance, it's meaningful to me because it enables me to move up a level and get out of a lot of this tactical stuff I don't like as well. So making it meaningful to you, being accountable to ourselves is less effective than being accountable to other people. And there's a lot of research on this, saying it publicly, maybe having a couple of close people that'll check in with you. The whole accountability partner thing actually does work. We're both working on this. You know, once a month, we're going to check in. Have we done the things we said we do to move towards this goal? Breaking it down so it's not by next new year and a year, you know, I will have ABC. I want to know the sub goals so that you can see I'm making progress. And when it's a big goal, measuring from your starting line, not just focusing on how close you are to the finish line, because that can feel a long way off as you start. So if you're running a marathon, something I've done many times and love doing, you know, when you're starting training for that, you just can't possibly say, how close am I to 26 miles? You'd give up on week three. But if the goal is in the first week, I'm going to run 10, 10 miles total. Um, did I run four times a week and hit 10 miles? Yes. You get to check that off. You get to tell your partner and you may even have some bigger goals along the way where you have a little celebration. You do something you really enjoy, but those kind of pieces are important. If it's too big, if it's too nebulous, if nobody knows, if you're not positive, you really want to do it, it's going to be hard to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. I like that analogy to the marathon and, and, <laughs> you know, making those steps towards achieving um, your ability to run the full marathon. How, how broadly should you share this work? Um, Sarah, should we, should we share it with our boss at work? Should we share it with our partners? How, how broadly do you recommend we share this? I mean, there is to some degree a personal element and here's how it comes in. I think it's important to share it with people you trust and feel psychological safety with. So if you have a strong relationship with your boss, absolutely. I think that can be great. If it's someone you don't feel as connected to, I'd find people you do and share with them. Um, With a romantic or 
partner or your spouse, I think that can be really great to say this is important to me. I'd love it if you check in with me once a month on how I'm doing on this. I may need time, you know, whatever, an hour on Saturday to work on this. Can you support me in that? I think that can be very effective. Blasting it to everybody might might feel like overkill or might make some people feel exposed, but I think some trusting partners are really important. Mm, I like that concept of, of trusting partners. Is This might sound like a silly question, Sarah, but is there things that you wouldn't recommend that, that we do? We've talked about a lot of the, the ways we can approach this. Are there, are there things you'd say stay away from or not do in this process? In terms of goal setting itself? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is really being kind to yourself with not setting expectations that are impossible. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways I see people do that is taking on too much at once. Either the goal is just so huge and I have young kids and my spouse works and we have a dog and it's just not viable. Um, I think I'd rather see you start smaller accomplish it, feel great about yourself and set the next serial goal. I think that would be good. Taking on too many goals at once can be overwhelming and a recipe for uh, not following through. If we're trying to learn three things and a language and I'm going to start working out, I mean, that's just too much bandwidth. So I would be preferring much to staying focused and small and steps that lead you towards the bigger goal you want. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So Sarah, if we want, if we've done this approach and we're feeling good about it, but we feel like we need some help along the way or, or uh, somebody to, to help guide us, tell us about this whole, the whole world of coaching and leadership development and so forth that in the area that you work in and, and how um, coaches can benefit an individual and and some of the things that you're experiencing in that realm of your practice. Coaching is really helpful on a couple of levels, and I have a coach myself. So this is um, this is spoken to from both sides. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what clients often say to me is most helpful is a, they have a dedicated time often every two weeks. Some people do it once a month that we will pause, step back and reflect on what I'm doing, reflect on successes, reflect on challenges. Secondly, accountability is a big piece. People are paying to have a coach. It would be like having a trainer and you show up and you haven't worked out all week. I mean, there's some positive peer pressure around that, that we want to do it. Third, the coach often, I think the biggest role we play is helping people expand the realm of options. Most of us humans, especially when something's hard that we're trying to learn, learning is hard by itself sometimes, um, can get locked into I either do A or B or I've tried A and B and they failed, so I'm no good at it. And coaches can really help to broaden that aperture and and see that there's multiple ways to do it or there's success you've had or there's different approaches or different resources so really a partner along the journey, not to mention just emotional support. That makes a lot of sense. And and if 
And if a listener um, is listening to this podcast and says to themselves, you know, I, I really would like to engage a coach, obviously, Sarah Bridges is a coach, but uh, how would they go about finding a coach? What What is the process that, that an individual does if if perhaps they're doing it on their own and not through their uh, uh, their organization that they work for? Absolutely. Uh, there's people like me in every city. For starters, there are coaches all over. There are also big organizations like Better help that people know that as a therapy platform. It also has coaches that work with people online on an hourly basis that can help you. So there are options that are virtual. There are options that are live. Um, In many communities, there's also coaching groups that you can join that'll likely be more cost effective. And you also get the benefit of peers. So there's really a number of different ways to go that you can find this. Every community, I mean, it has business coaches, life coaches, all of whom are set up to help people set goals, you know, really come up with good solutions, get support. There's, there's a lot out there. Mm hmm. And you mentioned too that I've heard frequently mentioned that's a business coach and a and a life coach. What's the difference between those two, Sarah? And how do I know which one I need? It's a great question, and there is overlap between the two. What I would say is business coaches, I put myself in the business organizational realm. It's not that we don't talk about personal things. For instance, I always talk about health behaviors because getting proper sleep is probably the top thing you could do next year to increase your capacity at work, your self-awareness, everything else. So those things do matter. Uh, But the primary focus in business coaching is on work challenges or opportunities or or areas you want to grow on the job. Life coaching is very multifaceted. The focus may be on going through a divorce or trying to get some health issue under control. So it is much more of a personal focus. Both overlap with each other, but their primary focus is different. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And um, as as you look at some of what we've talked about, and our time always goes so quickly, but as we look at some things that we've talked about in terms of goal setting, um, the uh, using a coach to assist you, are there other aspects that our listeners should consider as they embark on this, you know, fresh start, if you will, this renewal as they as they come into a new year? Yeah, I mean, one thing I think of that's foundational before you start anything, I'm going to sound funny saying this, I would first do an audit of what you're going to stop doing. Mm -hmm. Any of us who've had the experience of moving from an apartment or house, I I don't care who you are, we all exclaim, how did I end up with so much stuff? (laughs) And, you know, work life is very similar. There's a lot of kind of artifacts of things we've done in the past, meetings, behaviors, overdoing certain things. And then in our personal life, too, that are absolute time drains, um, that if we free up even some wiggle room in our schedule, first of all, our mental health is better. And second of all, we have capacity to take on a goal. 
So I would love to have people really create their own stop list. What am I not going to do? And then pick one goal and apply some of the things we said with making it concrete, making sure you're really understanding how you think about it, getting feedback from others and getting support, whether it's a coach or a trusted colleague. I bet those uh, your experience in working with people doing the stop list must be quite interesting. You might see a variety <laughs> of those things. Oh my gosh, sometimes relatives are on the stop list or really <laughs> negative friends or obligations we're still doing. And I don't even like doing it. And yeah, it's hard to say no to people. But, you know, remember, anytime we say no, we're saying yes to something else. And that's where prioritizing what's important right now to you comes in. Yeah, that's very similar to what my father used to say, you know, when one door closes, another opens. So it's true. Um, uh, it's very true. But it, but like you say, it's very hard to say no, especially when people are in need and they're coming to you seeking advice and so forth. But sure. But uh, that's some really good comments. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. How can our listeners continue to benefit from your knowledge and expertise in this area? How is it best to get in touch with you? Well, there's a number of ways, but you can come join me on LinkedIn. We put content and videos out there also, or they can email me, any of the above. That's great. Um, I would I would highly recommend you, you follow Sarah on LinkedIn listeners because she does post some great content and short videos, and they're great kind of motivational ways to... Um, stay in tune with some of the work that Sarah's doing and also some of the techniques and approaches that she's talked about today. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We sure appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It is so much fun to talk about this topic. We can tell your passion comes through, clearly, <laughs> clearly comes through. So, Oh, thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. Thank you, Sarah. And this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network. And as always, stay tuned for future episodes of this podcast, as well as my fellow podcasters across the CXFM radio network. Thank you, listeners, and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.